Good morning, and welcome to another sermon discussion video for Faith Church. We hope that you're having a great morning or afternoon or um, whatever time of day it is when you're watching this. Uh, as pastors and as staff of Faith Church, uh, we are just thankful that you have decided to tune in to another episode of these sermon discussion videos. And we're actually going to be starting a new series this morning. Uh, we're pressing pause on the Lamentation series that we have been going through to start a new series called Interruptions. So Joey, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the thought behind why we're jumping yeah. into this new series? Yeah, it's a good question. So Lamentations is emotionally heavy. Like it, it, it brings up stuff that we've gone through in the past. And right now we're going through stuff in the present. So maybe taking the present tension and emotion and angst and anxiety and fear and combining it with all of that past stuff is maybe not the best idea for our, our sort of balanced mental health. Uh, so we're shifting focus out of Lamentations for the time being. We're pressing pause on that. We'll come back to it at some point later. We're not really sure when. Pastors and EEB are starting to talk about it. Uh, but for now, we wanted to take at least the next three weeks uh, to kind of focus on some stories of Jesus being interrupted mm. and what we can learn from that. Awesome. Well, uh, Joey chose to uh, look at the story of Jesus and Mary and Martha today uh, in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. So if you haven't had someone in your group read that yet, go ahead and pause the video, uh, get out your Bible, read that scripture, and then press play, and we'll, uh, we'll resume. So we'll wait for you. Yeah, we'll wait. All right, so uh, before we get started, why don't I pray for us, and then you can uh, share with us what you've been learning from this passage. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Faith Church. Uh, even though we cannot gather as we would like, and many churches are in the same position that we are, Father, we, we thank you for the church scattered. We thank you for the body of Christ that we still, through technology, have the ability to communicate with one another, to check in with one another. And Father, let us not give up meeting together, uh, even though uh, we might not be able to meet together physically. So thank you for uh, your servant, Joey, and just uh, the ability he has to help us understand your word. I pray that you would give him uh, just the words to say that help us to see what you have to teach us about uh, interruptions and how we can respond to them. So I pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts to what you would have for us to understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So you want me to just go? Sure. Just I interrupt mean, you and yeah, get started? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, interruptions are just a thing of life, right? Mm -hmm. Even this morning, like on, on, on the mornings when I'm teaching or presenting somehow, I, I, I never sleep well. I always dream about the passage that I'm going to be talking about and wake up early. So five o'clock on the dot, I'm downstairs, I'm making coffee, and I hear footsteps on the stairs. Was it a cat? It was not a cat. It was my nine-year-old. It was Anna. And she's up at 5 a.m. And I'm thinking, I'm not ready for this. If she's up at 5, like, she's just going to have to watch DuckTales for three hours while I finish getting all my thoughts on paper and organized. It's mm -hmm. one of those interruptions where immediately I'm, like, anxious and trying to figure out, well, now how does the future work in light of this interruption, right? Mm -hmm. Interruptions are part of life. Yeah. Yeah. The, is, we all deal with them on a daily basis. And there's this great... Uh, uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a, a letter to a friend, uh, kind of giving some spiritual direction, and he says uh, that the great thing, the difficult thing, the hard thing to do, if you can, is to stop regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions of like your real life or your own life, the life that you control. He says the truth is, of course, that what one calls the interruptions are precisely one's real life, 
the life that God is sending you day by day. Uh, what, what we call our own real life is really just a, the phantom of our own imagination. Uh, our real life is the interruptions that God sends us on a daily basis, individually, maybe even society or worldwide in, in this case. But it makes us feel uncomfortable because we're not choosing those interruptions mm -hmm. oftentimes. Yeah, and it makes us uncomfortable too to think that, well, maybe God is choosing these interruptions and sending them to us, which means that interruptions are one of the clearest ways to see that God is at work. Mm. When we, when we are interrupted in our day-to-day -day routine and sort of our self-chosen patterns, then it might be God doing something. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to look at uh, the story of Mary and Martha, uh, because it's a classic story. It's one that most people probably know, uh, and it's a story that begins with an interruption. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a story in which we see Jesus himself kind of interrupting their lives and then their lives interrupting his ministry. So I'm going to I'm going to turn there into to Luke 10 which I've got ready here. It's just a paragraph long, but it's uh it's in I think this this story illustrates for us or teaches us that it's in the interruptions that we find if we we find out whether or not we're drawn to God. Mm -hmm. uh, that if they the interruptions kind of expose something in us that that needs uh, the healing touch of Jesus. So it starts with an interruption, right? Uh, verse 38, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Jesus interrupts their daily life, shows up in their house or in her house, and uh, Mary, uh, Mary and Martha, are, are, they both respond in different ways. Uh, verse 39 tells us right away, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listen to his teaching, right? So the yeah. sister Mary, all right, so it's Martha's story. Mary is there. She's sitting at Jesus's feet. And there's a, there's a Greek thing going on here in, in the words that's, that's trying to emphasize that, that Mary didn't just, you know, passively sit at Jesus's feet. This was an active choice. It was her choice to sit down and hear from Jesus. Martha, though, doesn't have that posture. Uh, verse 40 tells us, but Martha was distracted. Martha was distracted with much serving. And I love the word distracted. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a compound Greek word that means she was pulled away. She was pulled away by the serving. She, you know, other ways to translate it are like she was overburdened or she was quite busy, but it's, it's that word picture of she was, uh, Martha was drug off by her responsibilities. She was pulled away from Jesus with much serving. And these, this pulling away probably was self-instituted. Mm -hmm. It's not like Jesus came in and demanded, hey, you need to serve me. You need me. to do but all this she stuff, right. initiated right. this pulling away. Right, but it's not just like random puttering around the house stuff that she's doing. And I don't think it's entirely like she's saying, okay, I'm trying to impress Jesus here. Like, oh, Jesus showed up. I need to... I need to clean the house real quick or, or something like that. The, the much serving is the same word that shows up all over the New Testament that we translate in other places as ministry or as service. Um, in this context, you know, different translations will say stuff like um, she was uh, distracted with preparations or the preparations she had to do or with the preparations that had to be done. You know, it's kind of ambiguous, like Preparations for what? Is it a special day? We don't know. Um, are these preparations that Jesus asked her to do? 
or they think she just took on herself. There's no indication that Jesus showed up and he said, uh, Martha, I'm going to start teaching. Um, could you go ahead and get dinner ready or anything like that? Yeah. Right. So there's sort of the implication that she's pulled away by good service, good work, mm -hmm. um, but it's maybe distracting her from something better. It's pulling her away uh, from something better. So, uh, I, it, you know, it puts me in, in the mind of, of saying, well, what would I do if Jesus showed up at my house, mm -hmm. right? Would I, would I respond more like Mary or more like uh, Martha, if, if Jesus showed up and interrupted my life, would I automatically see that as an opportunity to serve him, which is a good thing, or as an opportunity to be with him, which is maybe a better thing? Yeah. Um, another way to put it, and maybe this is not totally fair to Martha and to Mary, but you can almost see in, in their minds, Mary saying, you know, Jesus shows up and Mary saying like, I need Jesus. And she just sits down and listens to him. Mm -hmm. And Jesus shows up and you can kind of picture Martha going, Jesus needs me. Yeah. Jesus needs me to do all these things in order to supplement his ministry in order to make him more effective, in order to get more people in because nobody will show up if there isn't free pizza. I, I don't know what she's doing. Uh, but the sort of immediate choices made by the two characters, Mary and Martha, one is saying, Jesus is here, I need him. And the other one is saying, Jesus is here, he needs me. Mm -hmm. So when Jesus interrupts, like, what's, what's our posture? What do we what do? We do? Mm -hmm. do we think it's time for me to be with Jesus now? Or is it like, oh, Jesus needs me to jump in and do something. Yeah. yeah it, it's a tough question. And I was just going to say, what, what, how do you see their relationship as sisters playing into this? Ooh, yeah. I'm not sure I even want to touch that one. Because <laughs> um, I have four younger brothers and I've seen sibling rivalry. Yeah. It is nothing like sister rivalry. And just, I'm going to not go any further in order to protect the guilty. I think... Um, not going to touch that one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's a it's a good question. If if you have sisters at home, I think you could pause the video, fight a little bit about which one of you is more Mary and which one's more Martha, and then come back to this. Yeah. And uh, let us know how that went. Yeah. So All right. <laughs> there is though. I mean, it's a good question because there is like this sibling rivalry thing going on here. Martha goes to Jesus, and it, it's it's the classic like. I'm working and yeah. she's not. Yeah, right? we've all been there. Oh, totally. Absolutely, I've You're, been there I, countless times. You have I've seven brothers yeah. and you've been there so many times and you've been the one not working so many times. Oh yeah, and you're hiding. Oh yeah, absolutely. To get, to get out of work, yeah. to get out of chores. Oh, totally, yeah. totally. Uh, so Martha's like looking at the injustice of all this, right? Yeah. Like I am overburdened with all of this good work that needs to be done in order for Jesus to be effective here. Yeah. And she goes to Jesus and says, uh, I mean, she interrupts Jesus, right? He's teaching. Yeah. He's talking to his disciples, to the people at his feet, maybe one-on-one -on -one with Mary. We don't know. But Martha goes, goes and says, uh, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Mm. It's like, do you not care? Don't you care? And she asked the question in such a way that implies, 
of course I care, yeah. right? Yeah, that Jesus is going to yeah. respond. It's a loaded with, yeah. question. Oh, it's sure. definitely a, a loaded question. I mean, you can hear the grievance in her tone, right? <laughs> Don't you care? There is so much serving to be done. Jesus, can't you see how hard I'm working? I'm doing this all by myself. I'm exhausting yeah. myself for you. Can you send any help, yeah. specifically my sister, to relieve the burden? Yeah. Right. So Jesus comes to this village. He interrupts their daily life. That's kind of the first interruption. Mm -hmm. And yet as this scene is unfolding, Martha then comes and interrupts Jesus. Yeah. So how does Jesus respond to that? Well, I, that parallel is really interesting because Jesus interrupts their daily life with the opportunity to be in his presence. And Martha interrupts Jesus's presence with an opportunity to perform for him, mm. to do something for him, you know, to serve him in some way. Um, and, and it, it it, you're going to have to ask your question again because I've already forgotten what you asked. But because I, I was thinking it, the, when Martha interrupts Jesus, the question isn't, hey, Jesus, do you mind if I just leave that so I can be with you? It's, yeah. hey, Jesus, do you mind that could my sister maybe leave being with you so she could help me with all this stuff yeah. over in the other room? Yeah, you almost get a sense of like maybe half the reason Martha's asking is because she wants Mary to come help her. But maybe half the reason is because Martha wants Jesus to know, hey, do you see all these right. things I'm doing? Right, yeah. Um, and oh, it's yeah. like you mentioned earlier, it's a good thing. It's a good yeah. thing, good ministry and service. But, yeah. Uh, I told my wife I was going to be talking about Mary and Martha, and she's like, oh, poor Martha. Everybody's so hard on her. She's trying to do the best yeah. she can with what she knows to do, and her yeah. only fault is... Well, we'll come to that. Yeah. yeah. So my question that uh, I asked yeah, earlier yeah, was, so again. there was the first interruption of mm -hmm. Jesus, and then the second interruption, Martha interrupting Jesus. And yeah. I said, how does Jesus respond to yeah. that interruption? So he responds affirming her desire, right? He, he responds with, com with compassion. There's uh, in, in verse 41, the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. And anytime you see somebody's name repeated like that, it's called the double vocative, which you knew because yes. you took Greek. Obviously. Uh, obviously. Yeah, anytime you see the name repeated like that, it's always a sign of deep emotion or empathy or affection. Yeah. Like, you know. Nathan, not not necessarily Nathan, right? like when our mom uses no. our middle name. No, 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 no. And it's not like he's saying Martha and then to get her attention, Martha. No, it's, right. yeah, this, this is a emotion he's showing. It's empathy. Um, he understands and sees what she is doing to herself in this situation. But he doesn't validate her serving or give her what she wants. He doesn't say, Martha, Martha, you are doing good work. He just says, Martha, Martha, I can see that you're anxious and troubled about a lot of things, right? I can see that you're, you're anxious, yeah. you're troubled. And those are two great Greek words that mean? Anxious and troubled. Yeah, exactly. They mean anxious and troubled. There, there's nothing behind them. Though, <laughs> though the word anxious itself, it, it, the way it's used in the New Testament is really interesting. It shows up a lot of places, uh, especially like the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Don't be anxious about your life. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your life or a single cubit to your stature? You can't mm -hmm. get taller just by worrying about it, right? Yeah. Uh, don't be there. anxious. Yeah, I've tried. Uh, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Tomorrow will yeah. take care of itself. It's a word that means to, generally means care or concern to take some sort of 
future concern onto yourself now, to, to burden yourself with some future care or future concern at the moment. And it probably most famously shows up in Philippians 4, 6. Do not mm -hmm. be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Yeah. Right. And often that's used as like a blanket statement, pull, just pulled right out and said, and, you know, don't be anxious. I know you're anxious. Don't be. Stop it. I wish it were that easy, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the problem is anxiety is coming from um, an undue, f from undue burdening of ourselves with concerns or cares that we can't actually affect or that are outside of our abilities or outside of our station or outside of even what we're designed to carry. Yeah, that's right? an interesting thought. So like, I guess, how would you take that out a step further. Like, what do you mean by it's a burden we're not meant to carry? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. So in Philippians, uh, it's the Apostle Paul writing, and he, you know, he says, do not be anxious about anything. But he uses the exact same word in Philippians 2 to describe Timothy as uh, kind of a, a man, just like Paul in his heart, the only one he knows who would be genuinely concerned for the mm -hmm. churches. The only one who would be anxious. Now, when we translate it anxious, it's got that negative con connotation because right. anxious and anguish both come from the same Latin root that means to like strangle or choke yeah. or restrict. Yeah. And, and anxiety is just a mental version of that, I think. But you can feel that, right? When you're feeling anxious about something, how you're kind of restricting in on yourself and feeling choked and pressured mm -hmm. and, and pressed, yeah. right? So, the, 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 the what's going on here, I think, is, and the reason I think Jesus is saying, I, look, I can tell that you're anxious and troubled, is that Martha is taking on to herself mm. a burden of service that was not asked, mm. not expected, not necessary. Good work, but not necessary work, not work that had to be done in order for Jesus's ministry to be uh, effective, maybe. Yeah. And we don't know really what was going on in her mind. We're not given that, uh, that, that insight. But I think Martha's feeling like Jesus is in her house and there's a lot of serving to be done. You know, for Jesus, if God's going to show up in your house, like you want it to look nice and, and to be yeah. able to present nice things, right? Yeah. Uh, so she's anxious, but I think she has assumed a level of what would make what would make Jesus happy right now. Mm -hmm. What would make what would make him effective? What, I don't know. Whatever the motivation is, she's assuming on herself a level of responsibility that wasn't hers to assume, yeah, uh, or an ability to change the circumstances around her that was just beyond her abilities, uh, and it made her anxious and troubled, troubled about many things. Right. Yeah. We can, I'm sure, all relate to that. Oh, man. Right, right, now. right now, absolutely, being anxious about many things mm -hmm. um, with, with the news changing, not even day to day, but hour to hour. Yeah. Uh, many of us are anxiously spiraling into news coverage and we're reading stories about, oh, now this and now that and, and New York shutting down. And what does that mean for Indiana? And, and, and we're going all over the place. It's like all of those, the, many of those cares and concerns. I'm not saying don't be informed. Yeah. What I am saying is we may be a, putting on ourselves burdens of care about the future that are not ours to carry. Yeah. 
uh, and that will inevitably inevitably lead to increased anxiety and trouble, yeah. mental anguish. Yeah. yeah. So this is not the end of the story. No, of Jesus it's not. And Mary and Martha. So what happens next? Right. So I stopped in mid-sentence. Jesus says, "Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary." And actually, some of the some of the manuscripts that we have, if if we were still meeting, you'd be teaching this class on how we got our Bibles yeah. and other different copies and stuff. Some of the copies we have say. Uh, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but few things are necessary. Indeed, only one, which is this real nice reduction of, yeah. here's all the things you're worried about. There are only a few things that matter. Actually, there's only one thing that matters. One thing is necessary. And he says, Mary has chosen the good portion or the best part or the best thing. And I'm not going to take that away from her. Mm. That will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen to sit at Jesus's feet. Yeah, active choice, like you're imagining. Active choice, exactly. And this is what I think is fascinating because of the vocabulary and how this is used. Mary has actively chosen to do nothing except sit in Jesus's presence. Martha has passively been pulled into, drawn into all this activity for Jesus, right? It looks like Mary's the passive one, Martha's the active one. Actually, Martha's the one who's getting dragged away, pulled away mm -hmm. into anxiety uh, for overburdening herself. Mary's the one who is actively choosing to sit down and do the hard thing of paying attention. Mm. Yeah. You know, paying attention. We tell kids, and especially for everybody who's telling their kids at home right now, yeah. uh, well, not just pay attention to this video, but also, you know, pay attention to your schoolwork and all that. We yeah. tell kids pay attention as if it's easy. Yeah. It is not. It is a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of work. I think it's an incredible insight that when we don't know what is valuable in the moment, we don't know what to pay attention to. And in this moment, Mary and Martha, with Jesus interrupting their life and coming into their house, Martha doesn't know, she doesn't understand what's most valuable in that moment. She thinks what has value is serving Jesus, which has value, yeah. but not compared to sitting with Jesus, to being with Jesus, to, to being in his presence. To knowing Jesus. To knowing Jesus. Yeah. Mary understands what is most valuable in that moment, and she chooses to pay attention to what's most valuable. Yeah. When we don't know, it's easy to get pulled into activity instead of choosing to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. So currently we're all living a life filled with interruptions. Uh, our whole life was, all of our lives were upended. So how do, how do you see how Jesus responded to interruption, how Martha and Mary responded to interruption? How does that apply for us in our lives as we often are just waiting. We're yeah. waiting for what's next. Yeah. I think there's, there, we should look at both interruptions to answer that question. The first interruption, uh, if Jesus breaks into your life, knocks on the door of your house, metaphorically, shows up in an interruption, if C.S. Lewis is right, that interruptions are how God shows up in our life. Yeah. If this COVID-19 interruption is God knocking on the door of your house, then we first have to ask ourselves, okay, Mary or Martha, do I, do I respond, oh, Jesus is here. He must need me or, oh, Jesus is here, I must need him. Mm, yeah. Which one's the posture of our hearts? But secondly, when, when Martha interrupts Jesus and says, don't you care? We have to listen to him when he says, absolutely I care. When he says our name twice, 
and then says, I see how anxious and troubled you are with all of this. There's really only one thing that's important right now. Yeah. There's really only one thing that's important and that's being with me. So interruptions give us a choice to be pulled away into frantic activity that is beyond our capacity or to choose to pay attention to the presence of Jesus in our lives, pay attention to the one thing that matters. Um, I think they force us to ask that question. Do I yeah. need Jesus right now or do I think Jesus needs me yeah. right now? Yeah. And the active choice to pay attention, to do nothing, to be still, to learn from Jesus, to be in his presence, that active choice is always more difficult than pulling up the news sites and hitting refresh and hitting refresh and hitting ref refresh or reading the latest who knows what on Facebook or yeah. doing any of those things that feel like you're doing something important, yeah. but really you're just getting pulled into anxiety yeah. and trouble. All right, so we see these interruptions happening in mm -hmm. this passage. Jesus interrupting Mary and Martha's life. Mm -hmm. And then we see Martha coming back and interrupting Jesus. So how are we to take something away from this? How does that apply for us in our life as we're just kind of waiting for what right. the next thing is. We, right. we have no control, it seems like, and we're just right. waiting in this interruption. So what does that mean for us? Yeah, it's a good question. If we're being faced with the choice like Martha and Mary are faced with the choice of Jesus has shown up, what do we do with that? Then I want to figure out how to actively choose, like Mary did, actively choose to sit at Jesus's feet. And this isn't a new problem. I mean, anxiety yeah. is not a new problem. It's just intensified right now. I had just started getting, uh, doing some research and learning about something called a rule of life or habits of daily worship. Mm -hmm. uh, and one book that I found really helpful on this is called The Common Rule by a guy named Justin Early, I think is his last name. And he's writing from this perspective as a follower of Jesus who just was in this constant loop of anxiety and mm -hmm. despair and trouble, a, a lot like Martha, right? Feeling like you start every day behind. Mm -hmm. And it was unsustainable. His wife and his friends came to him and they're like, dude, you have to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And so he sat down and he said, okay, I need daily habits and weekly habits based in scripture that, that we see being fruitful for growing a life mm -hmm. with God. And, and I have to learn how to do these. So he practiced it, wrote a book on it, really helpful stuff. It's, he's got one of those, um, you know, those four quadrant grids with an X and Y axis, yeah. right? Of uh, embrace hope and resist despair. Yeah. Love neighbor and love God. Okay. So four yeah. quadrants, yeah. right? And within that, it, kind of in regular life, he's got daily and weekly habits. Yeah. Uh, I, I went back to the website recently. It, it's thecommonrule.org. We'll make sure to link it for you so that you can check it out. I went back to it recently and he's got habits for quarantine. Mm. Like, Perfect. Yeah. This is what I need. Yeah. How do I sit at Jesus's feet during yeah. quarantine? And make that active choice. Exactly. Make yeah. an active choice to choose stillness instead of the passive choice of being pulled into frenetic activity that, yeah. that ultimately doesn't do yeah. anything for my soul. And uh, that frenetic activity is way easier. Oh, so much easier. But it, not life-giving. But not life-giving, exactly. And it, it, it makes me more into a Martha that says, Jesus, don't you care that I, we're going through this? And he's like, yeah, I can see that you're anxious and troubled about a lot of things. Yeah. But maybe there's only one thing that matters. Yeah. Yeah, so in this, in this quadrant, uh, he's got, um, you know, love God and embrace hope is Scripture, attending to scripture and to how God has revealed himself to us in his word. Uh, to embrace hope and love your neighbor uh, is prayer. 
the activity yeah. of praying for people. He's even got, you know, the 20 seconds you're supposed to wash your hands. Yeah. He's got a 20 second long prayer for your neighbors. Wow. That's that you really could cool. use when washing your hands. Maybe there's a five second version for when you're hand sanitizing. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Or you just do it four times. I don't know. But uh, then love neighbor and resist despair. He says, gather safely, mm. but gather. And on the love God and resist despair, it's about hope, practices of hope. Now, he's got suggestions under each of these, and I have some of my own suggestions, but I, I thought it might be helpful for us just to go through a few of those kind of in yeah. that idea of that quadrant, right? So yeah. scripture, attending to scripture, embracing hope and loving God. Um, two things he suggests that I think are great suggestions. Number one is some sort of daily scripture plan. Uh, right now, I'm following the daily office readings for the Psalms. So I'm just getting through the Psalms pretty regularly, yeah. and they seem to be really like, timely right now. Yeah. Uh, but his other one that I think is great advice is scripture before phone. Mm. Right? Scripture before <laughs> yeah. phone. You know, we, yeah. we all wake up to, we have our phones, we wake up, we, we, you know, we look. And if we're immediately checking the news or social media, we're starting our day with someone else's prayers. Not our prayers, not, not the, the words of God's, but with someone else's words. We're starting the day thinking about all the things that need to be fixed instead of starting our day fixing yeah. ourselves on Christ. So I know you're, I mean, we're using our phones as alarm clocks. So I'm yeah. not saying throw it away and buy an alarm clock and put a Bible next to your bed. But maybe when you pull it up, uh, hit the scripture app first. Yeah. Um, I have a daily office app that I use. I hit that first and immediately, you know, I'm hit with, uh, something from James and then the Psalms to read or something from Habakkuk in the Psalms for the day and some yeah. prayers. Um, so scripture before phone and some sort of daily reading plan. Yeah. Yeah. Now on the love neighbor and embrace hope side, uh, he talks about prayer yeah. as prayer is an active way of loving, uh, loving neighbors. And uh, what he recommends, and this is a practice that, that is actually even feels weird for me as a pastor is to kneel in prayer three times a day, mm. like to, to literally kneel. I mean, it's very easy to go about your day and kind of pray as you're going, right. but to, to stop and put your body into a different position is really to uh, attend to prayer and prayer on behalf of the church and our neighbors and the people around us, all of that. He says, morning, noon, and night, when you wake up at midday and when you go to sleep, or maybe at each meal, um, kneel and pray. Physically put your body in the posture of being at Jesus's feet. Yeah. Uh, on a and we basis. see that in scripture too. That's oh, absolutely. Not, that's not a new thing. We see yeah. Daniel and others kneeling to pray. Kneeling to pray. Yeah. yeah. Kneeling, facing certain directions. Yeah. It's, you know, getting your body involved. Sometimes um, if you're like me and your, your brain is like three feet behind your body, you have to get your body started first yeah. to get your brain to follow along. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So scripture, prayer, and then gathering and resisting despair and loving your neighbor. Uh, he says, gather safely, keep on top of what the CDC is recommending and guidelines and don't, don't be unsafe. Um, yeah. Love your neighbors by limiting your interaction, but connect digitally. Um, be real with friends. I mean, if friendship is built on vulnerability, now is a great time to tell people how you're struggling and, and yeah. what you're anxious about and to build that kind of real friendship. But I was also thinking, you know, most of us who live in kind of suburban tracks, like I've, there's a, my house here, there's one to the left, one to the right, and three across the way. Yeah. How am I engaging with those five? Or maybe the ones behind you that you share a fence with, whichever ones you kind of interact with, how am I engaging with those five neighbors around me? and uh, gathering with them, even if it is talking at 12 foot 
distance across the fence and yeah. saying, hey, hope you're doing all right. How, you know, is there anything I have that you need? I've been yeah. hoarding all this toilet paper. <laughs> Can I throw you one um, or more? Like, yeah. how are we loving our neighbors and resisting despair yeah. and helping them to resist despair simply by being at Jesus's feet yeah. and then being present in their lives? And I mean, this might be stereotypical, but in the church, we're used to gathering and having community. And for people who maybe have not grown up in the church or aren't involved in a church, their work or their gym might yeah. be their community. And yeah. if they have yeah. that, you know, your gym friends aren't necessarily reaching out to you to see how you're doing right. or your work. You're not seeing co-workers. them with the treadmill. But, right. but what if you and your neighbor, like you both moved your, your fire pits to the fence and you put your chairs around around them. Yeah. So there's a fence running down the middle, but you guys are able to sit there and just talk yeah. uh, as the weather's getting nicer and yeah. stuff like that. Or yeah, there's all sorts of different creative ways people could do it. But, but there, there's one uh, guy named Dylan Burroughs writes in Faith Acts, this book about living out your faith. He said, when Jesus was interrupted, he always started with the people right there started where he was and helped those uh, in need who were nearest to him. There are huge needs around the world and in other places. We should not neglect those. But the, the five houses around us is where I think Jesus would have started yeah. with responding to people's needs. Yeah. Now, the fourth quadrant, um, embrace hope or practice hope. That, that's how do we embrace hope and love God. Um, early suggest lighting a candle in your window. And then when people ask why, tell them why. Uh, but I think it's about some sort of symbol of hope that that new life will come out of this. We've Mm. decided to plant a garden. Mm. We're going to plant a garden because we'll get to take care of and nurture and and be part of seeing something grow out of this extra time we have, Uh, something that otherwise would not be there without this time. And that will be a a symbol, not only of our hope now, but of God's deliverance later. Yeah. Yeah. So practice hope, embrace hope uh, and love God. And one I think super practical way to do this, uh, to embrace hope, to resist despair, is just check the news once a day. Check one national and one local news source in the morning and assume that anything else you need to know, someone will tell you. Yeah. They'll email you, they'll text you, yeah. something. Yeah. But, but only look at the news once a day. Things are changing fast around us, but they're not changing that fast in my life. Yeah. So. Be wise, limit your consumption, and because if that's an anxiety loop, do the hard work of resisting, uh, practicing those mental habits of, of embracing hope and resisting despair, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So four quadrants, many other ideas we could come up with. Maybe people can share pictures of what their families are doing uh, and tag at Faith Live It Out so that we can share those with other people. What other ideas you come up with to embrace hope and resist despair, to love God and love neighbor through scripture, prayer, gathering safely, and practicing hope. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've looked at how we should respond to interruptions. We're going to continue in the series the next couple weeks leading up to Easter. Um, So I'm excited to see what else God has to teach us as we think about how our lives have been interrupted and how we can respond and choose actively Mm -hmm. to sit at Jesus' feet. I I feel like I should pray for us to finish this. Father, we are scattered all over Indianapolis and the counties around us, uh, and yet scattered together. I pray that um, in reflection times this morning, this evening, this afternoon, whenever people are sitting around, gathered together or individually or in couples or smaller groups, uh, viewing this, discussing this, praying and singing together, I pray that 
um, you would help us simply to sit at your feet to choose the better way, the better part, like Mary did, to actively attend to your presence, that we may be a better servant to the world that desperately needs you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.